Welcome to the Confluence of Ideas, the Confluence Investment Management Podcast. We're in late June now, and we continue to look at some of the issues influencing the upcoming presidential election and how those issues and the election itself may impact investment strategies. I'm Phil Adler, your moderator. Our guest is Bill O'Grady, Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist. Bill, the outcome of the election, uh, of course, influenced by the issues people care most about, is bound to affect investment strategies. I want to ask you, is it difficult to divorce yourself from whatever political biases you may personally hold as you try to forecast who seems more likely to win? This position is based on a postulate that a person has to choose between two positions. You can either understand the world or you can change the world, but you can't do both. Once an analyst moves from understanding to attempting to change the outcome, an attempt to make an unbiased outcome is lost. The great human temptation is to believe that you can do both. This is what we refer to as the have-it-all fallacy. You can't have it all. The choices one makes become limiting factors. Reiterate for us why a political forecast can be an important investment exercise. Well, it's one thing to favor a candidate. It's another to risk losing money on that position. Policy does matter. When we are watching a candidate emerge, especially a new president, we are usually faced with a barrage of policy proposals. But in reality, political capital is limited. An administration can only get so much done. For most presidents, political capital is nearly exhausted in about 18 months. By that time, Congress is preparing for midterms and the ability of an administration to pass something significant declines. So given this constraint, a president can only get so much done. What we try to do in our analysis is determine what are the two or three items that the chief executive really wants to accomplish. And those items are what we use as inputs to formulate our accommodation of policy in our portfolios. You identify in your written report dated June 15th some important factors which determine the outcome of elections. Now, is the strength of the economy normally the most important factor? History shows that recessions, especially in the year before an election, have been a consistently negative factor for re-election. The only incumbent in recent history that overcame an economic downturn in this period was Calvin Coolidge. Like any historical fact, it isn't destiny, and the current recession may not preclude President Trump's re-election, but it is a significant negative factor. But other factors matter, too. In the absence of recession, incumbency is the second most powerful indicator. In general, U.S. voters give sitting presidents a second term as long as the economy isn't in recession. Briefly, what are some of the other factors that help predict the outcome of an election? Well, polling is important. Although polling isn't perfect, it does give insights into what voters are thinking. Prediction markets have been useful as well. It gets us into the not what I want, but what I think mode by getting money involved. The base of support usually coincides with presidential approval ratings. History usually suggests that an approval rating under 50% is a problem for incumbents. After all, voters have gotten used to seeing the occupant of the White House for a while, and if less than half like what he's doing, he's unlikely to get reelected. We note that both Presidents Carter, Ford, and H.W. Bush had approval ratings below 50% in the year before the election, and all three lost. President Trump may be unique in this aspect. 
his approval ratings have been perpetually stuck under 50% for nearly all his presidency. But it's also notable that his ratings have shown almost no volatility during his first term, regardless of what has occurred. This may suggest he has a strongly committed base that will vote for him regardless, and the election may rest on the turnout uh, Vice President Biden can generate. The other factors involved are money and social media presence. Both of these factors heavily favor President Trump. How about the factor of trust in leadership, which, after all, does seem important during these unique times with a, with a pandemic in progress? The typical re-election campaign is usually based on the idea that if things are going well, why change? So it is probably less about trust in leadership and more about current conditions. Bill, do you, do you see polls as a reliable factor as you try to anticipate the election? Polling has two problems. First, the pollster has to create a representative sample. Polling history is littered with election calls that were wrong due to non-representative sampling. Second, there is a problem called the Bradley effect, or the social desirability bias, which means that people may simply lie to poll takers. Thus, we do not put weight on a single poll, but we want to see a group of polls to see if a trend is developing. Let's revisit a, a subject for a moment that, that we've discussed before. Uh, what is the potential for foreign countries to influence our election? Well, it's highly likely for two reasons. First, the U.S. is the global hegemon, so influencing our behavior is very important. Second, social media has reduced the cost of intervention and thus encourages other nations to try and sway the election in a way they view as favorable or at least cause chaos to undermine the legitimacy of the U.S. in general. The EU has seen relations deteriorate under the Trump administration and would probably, for example, want to support a different president. Which countries are most likely to try to uh, influence our election? Russia, China, and Iran have deteriorating relations with the U.S. and thus have an incentive to affect the outcome. North Korea has an incentive as well. Israel has a long history of trying to affect the U.S. political process because of their rather precarious position in the Middle East. Let's turn to the uh, potential election aftermaths. What key policies affecting investments can we expect if President Trump wins re-election? Incumbents are usually easy to project. We just assume more of the same. We would look for continued deglobalization and deregulation under a second Trump term. At the same time, it's important to remember that second terms usually disappoint. That's because the president is a lame duck on the day of inauguration and the political capital he has diminishes very fast. In addition, the party's bench of advisors is usually exhausted by the middle of the second term, and given that President Trump has gone through them at a rapid pace, getting a team for the second round will be very difficult. Well, how about if Joe Biden wins? Well, we, we characterize Biden as left-wing establishment. He's been a centrist for most of his career. It has been argued Barack Obama selected him as a running mate to shore up the establishment wing of the Democratic Party. But in his campaign, he's been wooing left-wing populists and will likely create a platform that will be much more populist than his career would suggest. The key question is, what would he do when elected? We would expect incremental rather than revolutionary policies, more tweaks to Obamacare and less single-payer, higher taxes may result, and some reversal of Trump environmental deregulation is likely too. We do note that his former chief economist, Jared Bernstein, has supported abandoning the dollar's reserve currency role. It isn't clear if Bernstein would have a role in a Biden administration, but it is certainly possible. 
Another complication to a Biden win is his age. He would be the oldest elected president at age 78. The odds that he would run for a second term are unlikely, and so Congress would probably treat him like a second-term president. In addition, the choice of his running mate will be unusually important because there is an elevated chance the Biden running mate might actually become president. How is the stock market likely to react in each of these scenarios? In general, financial markets tend to prefer stability. In an election between an incumbent Republican and a new Democrat, equity markets tend to rise modestly into the midterms and then rally strongly into the final year. A new Democrat tends to be initially bearish, with markets giving up about 10% of their value until the spring of the first full year, when equities tend to rally strongly, to the point where investors should be indifferent to either party. A first-term Democrat tends to see weaker performance in the second year or most of the third, but by the end, the performance is about equal. If Biden governs as a left-wing populist, equities would be much greater risk. We don't think this outcome is likely, but it is possible. You mentioned a moment ago that possible abandonment of the dollar's reserve currency role might be an issue to watch if if Mr. Biden wins. Uh, Can you explore it a little bit further? Why do you feel this way and what are the ramifications? Well, as noted earlier, if Jared Bernstein is is in his administration, he could support dollar weakness. A weaker dollar is usually bullish for precious metals and for foreign stocks. Bill, finally, you've uh, mentioned that at this point, we're, we're still months months away from Election Day, but at this point, the race does remain too close to call. How can you realistically anticipate and make solid investment decisions when the race is too close to call? Well, the, the acid test is, is, do you have a portfolio that doesn't affect your sleep? That doesn't mean a portfolio should be static, but it should reflect the fact that the world has unforecastable risks and one should never have an undiversified portfolio. If an investor is worried about the outcome of election will adversely affect his portfolio in a permanent way, they should make those adjustments now. It's also important to remember that political figures exist in an environment, in a milieu, President Obama and President Trump just didn't happen. They both reflect conditions in the social and political life of the United States. If an investor focuses on those trends, when elections come, the portfolio likely already incorporate what the political system has already confirmed. Thank you, Bill. This has been the Confluence of Ideas featuring Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady. For more resources, we point you to confluenceinvestment.com. You can also find us on Twitter at ConfluenceIM. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We want to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.